Hello. If you are into conversations that are habitually disruptive, welcome to Confessions of a Crappy Christian, the speakeasy edition. The really interesting thing about walking with God and growing in your relationship with him and also in your understanding of scripture is how these verses that you've known probably your whole life start to really come to life. They come into focus. They start to make sense. For example, I have recently walked through a kind of crappy situation where a business dealing went south and we got the short end of the stick. And I now find I read verses like, for example, Romans 8, 28 through a totally different set of eyes, right? That verse tells us, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Maybe in our younger, less experienced and matured viewpoint, we read that verse and we think everything's going to work out. Everything's going to be fine. I'm not going to get screwed over. I'm not going to lose money. I'm not going to have negative things happen to me or near me. I mean, that's prosperity gospel, right? Like the negative connotation of prosperity gospel. When I think a mature view of something like that is going, okay, this crappy thing happened and whatever the scenario is, I lost money or I lost friends or I lost relationships. But God used this situation for my good because it was a moment in time where I was able to respond the way that he wants me to respond, or I was able to love the way that he loves or forgive the way that he forgives because I am called according to his purpose. And I'm not going to go into all the ins and outs of the situation that we've dealt with, but what I do want to share is what's come out of it, what I learned. I got to have this really incredible, powerful moment with Jesus in the direct aftermath because something happens, and I'm sure this is going to come as a total shock to all of you, but I was so angry. (laughs) And to a degree, righteously so. What happened was wrong. We were wronged, and I was angry. Now, in my natural state... I will take that anger all the way. (laughs) I will go scorch earth. I want to burn it down. I want to hurt the person that hurt me. I want to lash out. I want to tell them exactly how I feel about them. And then if I can, legally, I want to tell everybody else what they did so that for one, they never deal with these people. And secondly, so that it feels like some form of justice. Because I have this extreme justice complex and I have had it and been this way since I was a kid on my behalf and on other people's behalf. And there's so much of that hardwiring that I think looks like Jesus, right? There's so much scripture that's do justice, love justice, pursue justice, protect the vulnerable. But there's also so much scripture that reminds us to be still and to let God fight for us and fight our battles for us, and that justice isn't actually ours to execute. So this scenario unfolds, and I kind of flash out. I'm so mad. Small caveat, really quick. I'm going to talk about having this encounter with Jesus and the way that I talk 
to him. And it may sound a little crazy to some of you. It may sound a little, I don't know. It just may be weird. There was probably a time in my relationship and Christian walk that someone talking this way would have been like, oh, (laughs) okay. But you can listen if you want to. And it's just going to be what it is. But I hear this voice of Jesus, Holy Spirit. Hey, can we talk? Let's talk about this. How about you don't do this, navigate this the way that you maybe typically would, which is pure anger, lashing out, trying to get some kind of righteous justice or judgment out of it. And I fought that for a minute. I was, we were with family and I originally just didn't want to, if I'm being totally honest. That's the, the crappy Christian part, right? I just originally wanted to do things my way, but the nudging was there. And so I was like, you know what? Doing this my way, doing this the angry way, doing this the fighting my own battles way hasn't necessarily served me super well in the past. What if there is another option? Okay, let's try that. So I kind of sequestered myself, went in a back room, I got really quiet and I found myself in this room with Jesus and the person who had just hurt me. And it was me, Jesus was facing me and the person was behind them. And I am still so mad at this person. And I'm kind of over Jesus' shoulder, mm, just like mad at him. And Jesus is, you know, look at me, pay attention to me. We need to talk about this. And Jesus asks me to forgive this person. And this is, this is, this is quick. This is minutes after all of this is kind of blown up. I need you to forgive him. And I straight up told him, no, no, not ready to forgive him. He doesn't deserve my forgiveness. He doesn't deserve for me to not unleash on him. No. And Jesus kind of, okay, let's try something. It was like Jesus was working with me, right? He was patient. And he was understanding, but in my mind, I knew already the end result of this is going to be me forgiving this person. And I'm not going to lie. There was this undercurrent of, I don't want to, but Jesus, look at me, pay attention to me. Let's try something. And this is going to sound kind of crazy, but it was like Jesus made himself translucent. And now I am looking at this person that has just hurt me through Jesus. And Jesus asked me, Can you forgive him now? Can you look at him through me and forgive him now? And Jesus kind of revealed maybe some of the pain that that person is, was in, some of the wounds that they are trying to mend themselves. Because there are certain actions on people's parts that as you learn and grow and understand, you can start to really relate those back to this is probably a result of this. This man, because I was dealing with a Christian man, needing to flex his power, be condescending, be ugly, not do what he said he was going to do. What could that be a result of? He, for some reason, needs to feel powerful. He needs to feel strong and in control of the situation. Whatever his life experience has looked like, there has been pain and probably trauma and wounds from other people that has caused him to need to act that way. And that doesn't make it right. None of what I'm saying makes the hurt okay. But I'm looking at this person and it was almost like he transformed into a younger, more little boy version of himself and 
I'm seeing the wounds and I'm seeing the pain and I'm seeing how this person is just trying to protect themselves by hurting me and that's not okay. And it was like all the anger fell off. I think I audibly sighed like, okay. And Jesus kind of went back to being his non-translucent self and he looked at me and said, can you forgive him? Can you let the anger go? Yeah, I think I can. And in that moment, Jesus looked at me and said, I'm going to deal with him and you don't need to know about it. You don't need to be a part of whatever that's going to look like. You don't honestly get an opinion. You don't get input in what me dealing with him behaving this way and hurting my kid looks like. But I love him just as much as I love you. And I hate that he hurt you. But I also know he is behaving out of his own hurt. I'm going to deal with him. I want you to close this door and walk away from it. And I cannot tell you how much that goes against every fiber of how my normal responses to something like this would be. I would hold on to it. I would stay angry. It would tear me up for days. I would wake up in the morning and be immediately angry. It would be what I would fall asleep thinking about until it would eventually taper off. It would eventually kind of get to a place where I've gotten over it, but it would take me a while. When there was great injustice like this, I would typically really struggle, really, really struggle to get over it. And in this moment, I didn't need retribution. I didn't need revenge. I didn't even need to explain myself or make excuses or get this other person to understand how wrong they were. I was able to, in my mind, visualize opening a door and letting him walk through it and kind of letting my anger my need for justice, for like my justice to go through it as well. And I closed it. I opened my eyes and I really felt okay about it. I really didn't need to go back and forth with him anymore. We had been exchanging some emails about a business dealing and I came out. I was, like I said, I was with family and I came out and all of my family members were shocked. They were so confused why I was so okay. And I told them what I had just kind of visually walked through with Jesus. And and that moment was God working for the good of those who love him in all things. Did the situation, the business dealing go our way? It didn't. We got screwed and it sucked. But that moment and that experience and the realization that I am capable of that with the Holy Spirit And that closeness and nearness with Jesus that I felt, you can't put a value marker on that. It honestly changed me as a person. I tend to be really reactionary instead of being able to respond in these kinds of moments. And I tend to ride quite the emotional roller coaster. So like I said, did the actual thing work out for our good? I mean... As of right now, no. (laughs) I'm not going to say that it can't in the future. There is so much that we don't know or see. But in the immediate, no, it didn't. But it gave me an opportunity to step into being the person that I am in Christ. And like I said, that's invaluable. And so I just wanted to share that experience and kind of that exercise that really Jesus walked me through. I mean, I'm sure that exists in the therapy world or in the you know visualization world. But having that moment of me, Jesus, and this person that I was so mad at, that if I was 
in front of this person in real life, I don't know, I might have had some not super nice things to say. And Jesus just asking me to see him as he sees him and wrapping my mind around that even though this person had hurt me, that Jesus loves him as much as he loves me, as hard as that was to get, that was a hard hump to get over. I carry that forward with me now because this is not the last time someone's going to hurt me in a business dealing or in real life or in relationship. And if we can start looking at people the way that Jesus sees them, even when they're acting a fool, that's powerful. That's really a different kind of strength because I could have gotten down in the weeds with this individual and I could have done the back and forth and I could have fought against their condescension and their Bible verses out of context that they were using to try to rip me apart. But what a waste. What a waste of my time. What a waste of my energy. I feel confident it would not have changed a single thing about the situation except drained me of energy and time that could be better used otherwise. So another thing that I want to talk about in terms of this is, like I said, this was a man, a Christian man that I was dealing with who the entire time we've been dealing with this individual the past few months, it has been power flex after power flex after Bible verse taken out of context. Really just abusive behavior. The first time I ever had to deal with him, I had a really visceral response to just the way that he spoke to me. It was just so disrespectful and, like I said, condescending. And in this particular, like, microcosm of a moment, he was actually dealing with my husband and was so much more respectful, still kind of a douche, but just more respectful. And I found that really interesting, but tried to kind of give him the benefit of, well, he's already being a jerk. So maybe he's just trying to lighten it up a little bit. But eventually the situation required me to step in and start responding in the email. And watching this individual's demeanor change from dealing with a man to dealing with a woman who could speak for herself was a case study in evangelical Christian psychology. He does not want to deal with me. He does not want to talk to me. He was very prompt in his responses in emails with Jeremy, has barely responded to any of the emails that I have sent. And that was really frustrating for me. It was like another layer of frustration, right? I've already forgiven you for all of this shenanigans. I have done the hard work of getting on the high road, of choosing to just do what needs to be done to get this to be over with. And... You can't even give me the respect of dealing with me as an equal, which I know you are capable of because you did it with my husband. And my entire life has been an adventure in dealing with Christian men that don't know what to do with strong women. And the saddest thing is, is that strong men and strong women should be a powerhouse. That should be a powerhouse situation. That should be strength times two rooted in Christ, knowing who you are, playing off of each other's strengths, making up for one another's weaknesses, because that's what my marriage looks like. My husband knows that I have a ton of opinions and that I can stand up for myself and that I can run a business and if necessary, go toe to toe with him. I submit to my husband every single day because I respect him because he doesn't make me bend the knee. 
He's not trying to break me or water me down or make me something that I have never been. And so strong Christian women and strong Christian men should be a powerhouse, but instead we have this epidemic of men not knowing what to do with that and in turn just trying to break women down. And this is found nowhere in scripture. It is not found anywhere in scripture that women are to be subservient, that we are supposed to be quiet and weak and inferior. And sometimes I convince myself that this isn't an epidemic within the church because I am surrounded and quite frankly insulated by really strong kick-ass men who love women like me who love getting to be equally yoked, right? We talk about that all the time. But if I am this weak, inferior, unopinionated, can't do anything woman, how are we equally yoked? How am I carrying, how am I like pulling my weight, right? So I'm surrounded by men who love strong women without needing to break them to a point where I forget that these men are out there, that these men exist and more often than not think they have biblical backup for behaving the way that they do. It's just always so wildly interesting to me how we can read the same Bible and come away with totally different takes, right? Because I know that there are men who read scripture and think their wives and other women should be under their thumb, should be under their submission, that they should be quiet and unopinionated, that they should just let them do what they want, whether it's in business or real life. And I read scripture and I meet women like Miriam who didn't do what the government told her to do, right? Who had her baby and put it in the river so that it would live versus letting the midwives kill it. I read scripture and I meet Deborah in Judges who led Israelite warriors into battle. I read about Jael who put a tent peg through a dude's temple so that Israel could win a battle. And by now we've made it to Joshua. So it's just, you read scripture and get one thing and I'm just reading scripture and getting a totally different thing. I'm reading about the helper that God created for Adam, Ezer Konegdo, a helper against you, an adversarial ally, someone who works with you but is pressure against you, the way that God intended it to be and considered it good. I see that as strength. I see men who work with that and with women who are created that way. Those are the real strong men. Those are the real powerful men. I think there is an epidemic of Christian men trying to break strong women instead of viewing them as an ally. Instead of seeing their strengths as strengths They're spending their time trying to water them down and see how they can get one up on them and being as condescending as possible and using verses out of context to do so. And we wonder why the global church or at minimum the American church looks the way that it does. It's because we're putting half of our demographic women on the sidelines and quite frankly, more often than not, treating them as crap. It's taken me a long time to get to a place where I can deal with men like that and not be super triggered and ragey because of experiences like what I just described to you, that it doesn't make it right the way that they're behaving. And it's not something that I am going to put up with or stand for. I am going to stand up for myself when Christian men behave that way. 
but not out of a place of needing to protect myself or defend myself or explain myself, but simply out of confidence that I am just as worthy, I am just as valued in the kingdom as you are, and you're going to treat me as such. And that has only come by, and I hate this term, but I sometimes think there's no other way to put it, like doing the work to learn how to love myself, how to value myself. Because if I can't do that for myself, there is no way that I am going to require that of other people. And then you are stuck in this perpetual cycle of being treated like crap by people and that informing how you feel about yourself and then how you feel about yourself informing the way you allow people to treat you. Somebody has to break the cycle. It might as well be you. I don't want to be a self-help, self-improvement guru. That's not why I want to be on the internet. I'm going to share about my healing journey as God asks me to. My best advice is to find a therapist that you trust that is rooted in new covenant truth. And those are hard to find, I'll admit. But whatever being a strong Christian woman looks like for you, I just want to see you step into that. And it doesn't have to look like being the mouth of the South like it does for me. There is strength in silence. There is leadership in service. There's so much power in being compassionate. And I realize that through this episode, and a lot of my content is more about having a personality that presents as kind of traditionally solid and strong and maybe a little bit more opinionated. That doesn't mean that that's the only way to be a strong Christian woman. I do think that those women need their own kind of lane of encouragement and all of my content doesn't have to be for everybody, right? And so my hope and my prayer is that you're not listening to this episode and it's making you feel less than if these aren't your particular strengths. That's not the point. That's actually the complete opposite of the point. But for the women who are natural leaders, who have discernment and wisdom, who know their spiritual giftings and are ready to step into them and may find themselves bumping up against Christian men who more often than not hold leadership roles and those men don't know what to do with them, that is not your problem. And my encouragement is let God deal with them. Don't let their insecurity and the ways that they are threatened by you become a you problem. Let that stay a them problem. Forgive them even though they're not sorry, because that's one hell of a flex. Forgiving people that aren't sorry, like that is the ultimate in my book. Forgive them even though you're never going to get an I'm sorry. And even though you likely will never see changed behavior, learn about boundaries And get really friendly with boundaries and prepare yourself for the fact that the people that are going to throw a fit about you having boundaries are the ones who were most benefiting from your lack of them. Get really confident about your giftings, not in a prideful way, because humility isn't sitting down and shutting up. It's knowing that you were made in the image of a perfect God and that you have a purpose on this earth and being humble but confident enough to step into it, do that. Ask God to show you what your gifts are and the ways that he wants you to step up to the plate 
and start doing that. And there's going to be opposition. It's going to come from the world and it's going to come from within your own ranks. And I've said this ad nauseum at this point, let that be their problem and pray for there to be strong men, real strong men in your life who see your strength and see the way that you can keep up and see your gifts and champion them and want to come alongside you and help you on your mission the same way you can help him on his. More than ever right now, we need to be able to look at the ways that men and women are different, but meant to work together, right? You see all of the conservative media talking about this war on women, and it's 100% happening, right? The trans agenda is the new patriarchy. Women are being replaced by below average men (laughs) coming in and taking their safe spaces and their sports and their job roles and their opportunities. Yes. And strong women who have gifts and voices and opinions are being shut up by men who are threatened by them when they should view them as an ally. And what I want to see is for both to end. And the only way that's going to happen is if we refuse to shut up. If women continue to find their voices and speak up and say, not only are you not going to replace me, but you're not going to silence me. You're not going to break me. You're not going to water me down so that you can be more comfortable. I was created in God's image just like you were. You might want to get used to it because I'm not going anywhere. 